Aloha! Welcome to Abe's Ukulele Podcast. I'm Abe. Happy New Year, friends. I hope your last two months have been lovely and productive. If you're new here, welcome! This show is for players and teachers of the ukulele that want to get better at playing and teaching. Today's guest is Kimo Hussey, a teacher and performer from Hawaii. I had a chance to sit down with Kimo in July of 2019. It was a bit noisy in the room where this was recorded, so the audio quality suffered a little, but I think the conversation will more than make up for it. Before we jump in, I want to give a big shout out to Chantel and Beth for supporting the show. Thank you so much. You are both rock stars and you make this show happen, so thank you. If you'd like to help me make the show, check out the links in the show notes. Now, on to the show. Kimo Hussey was born and raised in Hawaii and graduated with a music education degree from Occidental College in Southern California. After a career in the Air Force, he retired and sought to reignite his love for music. He's recorded two albums of his own and appeared on several other compilation records. Kimo is also the author of the famous Hawaiian songbook, Emele Aloha. Today, he is a much sought after performer and teacher and travels extensively to ukulele festivals and workshops around the world. So, Mr. Kimohasi, it is so fantastic to talk to you and uh, meet you here in Hawaii. It is such a beautiful place, and to see you here is kind of like, I can't really believe it. So, Well, Abe, I have to tell you that goes both ways. Oh, thank you. Because I... I, I I share uh, your interest in music and ukulele, mm. uh, and I love ukulele so much. I I, I enjoy uh, just sharing mm. ukulele in whatever way I can. Mm. Uh, and if one of those ways is to sit here and talk with you about ukulele, I'm in. There we go. That's all. That's what it's all about. Um, so we were talking a little bit about this beforehand, but um, I was wondering, could you tell me a little bit about your ukulele journey? <clears throat> Uh, sure, uh, sure. Uh, my ukulele journey actually started when I was five years old, my oh, okay. mom says. Mm-hmm. Uh, because in those years, as it is now, there's like ukuleles in like every every house probably in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in those days, despite the fact that that's when I first started, uh, quote, learning to mm-hmm. play the instrument, at the time it was more a toy uh, than anything else. Yeah. Uh, and as I grew older, and began to realize that I had a really abiding interest uh, in music. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ukulele became a very, very important part of that because it was always available. Mm. Uh, You know, generally, uh, uh, generally the ukulele was at home and was never put in a case. Mm -hmm. In those days, there weren't any cases. (laughs) So, (laughs) So the ukulele was... Was was hanging around in in the living room, the family room, the whatever. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, it was it was just it was just generally one reach away. Mm. Uh, and so uh, my developing interest uh, in my early developing interest in music uh, was responsible uh, for me eventually going from uh, high school to a college in Southern California. Mm-hmm. Uh, where I went there to, to study choral conducting. Ah, okay. uh, because I dearly loved uh, choirs and church music. Mm-hmm. 
but also I'd have to admit that in high school, uh, when I had talked to advisors uh, and my music teacher about my interest in music, mm-hmm. uh, the, the feedback then from them, informal as it was, was, hey, you know what, it's, it's, it's okay to enjoy ukulele. Mm-hmm. But if you have a real interest in music, the way to do it is to study uh, classical music. Hmm. And so I thought, okay, if that's if that's if that's the <laughs> thing, then then I'll head in the direction of choral mm-hmm. music because I dearly enjoyed church music and, uh, mm-hmm. and choirs. Halfway through a master's degree, uh, which is going to be in men's chorus mm-hmm. uh, in college, I ran out of money. Oh no. Um, so I decided, well, it's time to go to work uh, mm-hmm. for a while. So I put the I put that master's degree on hold and went to work. Uh, but in those days, uh, those days, because of the Vietnam War, mm-hmm. uh, if a guy did that, you're very, very liable to be drafted. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's exactly what happened to me. Oh, okay. Not being really excited about trudging through the jungles of Vietnam, I thought, okay. Uh, what I'll do is I'll, I'll volunteer and join the Air Force. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in exchange for two more years of commitment, uh, as opposed to being drafted, I thought I'd, I'd go and learn something I thought was worthwhile. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> I chose being a pilot. Okay. Awesome. And so I became a pilot in the Air Force, and the longer I stayed in, the more I liked it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that turned into a 30-year career. Mm. After that career, it was time to get back into uh, into music, mm-hmm. and so <clears throat> I'm 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 not too sure why uh, the direction at the time was toward ukulele. I imagine it's because uh, at that time the uh, the ongoing renaissance mm-hmm. in ukulele around the world was in full swing. Mm. So I thought, oh. Um, you know, why don't, why don't I revive that? Mm-hmm. I also must admit that <clears throat> the, the, the portability uh, of the ukulele mm-hmm. uh, was another attraction. Mm-hmm. A huge attraction to ukulele mm-hmm. um, was the fact that if I, if I pursued ukulele, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I would create my own bureaucracy mm-hmm. of just one, and that's me. Mm-hmm. After 30 years of Uncle Sam's bureaucracy, which wasn't bad, uh, I thought, okay, if I can get back into music, which I really love, through the ukulele, that would be wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, so then I decided, okay, uh, it shouldn't be real difficult to revive uh, a certain degree of proficiency in ukulele. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so I did. And mm. that's been going on oh. 20 plus years now. Okay. So you hadn't really played ukulele while you were in the Air Force? No, a lot of a lot of my adult life I played um, guitar. Oh, okay. Uh, when I went, when I first went to uh, got to college in um, in the 60s, mm-hmm. mid to late 60s, uh, folk music was huge then. Mm. Uh, and you know, I wasn't in Hawaii. I was in California at the time. Oh, okay. So I played guitar and mm. loved it. Uh, and I must admit that uh, when when I retired, being able to being able to come back to ukulele was a wonderful thing. Hmm. Uh, but the but the thing I like best about ukulele is the fact that there's 
there's no standard methodology mm-hmm. in anything that has to do with ukulele. Mm-hmm. There's no standard methodology in how to play the instrument, how to learn to play the instrument. Mm-hmm. There's no standard methodology in how even to make the instrument. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that uh, because it provides me uh, a lot of different ways to go uh-huh. that I can create on my own. And my feeling, my feeling is that I am only accountable uh, to uh, to people that I share ukulele with. Oh, okay. No bosses. Nobody telling me, oh, you have to write a lesson plan. And, mm-hmm. Oh, you have to go in this direction. Mm-hmm. And oh, you have to practice certain amount of hours every day. Mm-hmm. None of that. Mm-hmm. And 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 I like that mm-hmm. uh, because. Uh, because I think it gives me a lot of freedom mm-hmm. uh, to, uh, to I will say, practice ukulele mm. as I choose. Mm. Uh, I, I, had to, I had to sacrifice being a high school music teacher, which I wanted to do, but, uh, but substituting the Air Force for that, where I did lots and lots of teaching, not in music or ukulele, in fact, it was the Air Force that uh, I think uh, taught me a lot about teaching. So when I retired, being able to take that uh, and vestiges of what I remember from, mm-hmm. from my degree uh, in choral conducting and applying that uh, to ukulele has really resulted in a wonderful, wonderful passion. Mm. And I'm, I'm so thankful uh, that I'm able to have a passion uh, like ukulele and share that as much as I can, like what we're doing right now. Yeah, that that (laughs) sounds fantastic. I love that. Generally, I record about 30 minutes, but so far we're at 14 minutes. So we might not get to everything. That's okay. We might go a little over. Um, If we hurry, I think we can keep this down to two days. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's a good good barometer right there. yeah. Okay. So, you are known as a great performer and teacher, but I was wondering, do you personally identify more as a performer or a teacher? Let's. Uh, <clears throat> well, first of all, I love teaching, mm-hmm. and, I, and I love being known as a teacher uh, because it is through teaching um, that I get to share, um, and it is. <clears throat> the, the performer part of me, I put into teaching mm-hmm. because I, I don't I don't consider myself a performer as much as I consider myself a player oh. who likes to share. Mm-hmm. And what that means is, uh, more often than not, when we're when we're talking about music, we think of musicians as entertainers. And certainly, ukulele can fall into that category. Mm -hmm. But the reason why people around the world enjoy ukulele is participation. Mm. Is because they can play. Mm. Ukulele, Ukulele players anywhere will sit courteously and listen to a player play at them. Mm -hmm. But what they enjoy the most is to play informally with a bunch of friends and just just have a wonderful jam session. 
Mm-hmm. Growing up in Hawaii, uh, those jam sessions were called um, Kanikapila. Mm-hmm. And Kanikapila is, is, a, is a wonderful, wonderful part of the Hawaiian culture. That's how, that's how I learned about music. Mm-hmm. But the key in Kanikapila is proficiency means nothing. Mm. Enjoyment in the process is everything. And so, and so one of the things that I include in teaching <clears throat> uh, is to embrace this, con- this concept of Kanikapila in a way mm-hmm. that people understand, hey, what? If uh, even even if you're not sure what people around you are doing, don't worry about it, uh, because there is still something that can be learned. Hmm. And I find I find that focusing on that in the teaching that I do, um, as opposed to emphasizing entertainment, mm-hmm. uh, makes me a lot happier. And I notice and think that it makes ukulele people generally lot happier as well because mm. I don't think there's many ukulele people out there who are interested in becoming entertainers as there are ukulele people who simply want to enjoy very simply getting into the process of making music mm-hmm. it's making music that's important mm. and from that standpoint the ukulele is not the end it's mm. the means to the end it's a catalyst mm-hmm. wow that's profound not a performer or a teacher, but a player. I like that. So speaking of teaching, I'm going to, or I should say, speaking of sharing as a player, uh, one of the classes that you've taught is called Demystifying the Baritone. To me, it seems like the baritone ukulele is getting more and more popular, and um, I really fall <clears throat> in love with mine. Right. But uh, I just wanted to know, how do you demystify that thing? Yes, um... You being a music major will understand Mm -hmm. that if you play by position, so if, if, if you're in a key and rather than name that key, say that that key, that, that, that chord, that key is a number one chord Mm -hmm. by position. What I like to teach is, okay, if, if that chord is a number one position, where is four? Hmm. Where is five, seven? Mm-hmm. And, and by doing that, people don't get wrapped around the axle uh, with baritone ukuleles going, okay, now and on a tenor, you, this is how you hold this chord, and on mm-hmm. a baritone, you do this chord. Because most people start off on tenors, playing tenor or concerts, mm-hmm. if we start this process of learning chords by position, it means that even before a person uh, like tries to play the baritone, that person uh, can play a song that they're learning in, in any key. Hmm. Uh, for example, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're accustomed to C, um, C, F, and G7. Mm-hmm. It's a one, four, and five chord. Hmm. So one of the things I recommend people do is take the songs that you know and and remove all of the references to specific names and put numbers instead. Hmm. You Are My Sunshine, for example, is one, four, and five, seven. Mm-hmm. So if you learn by position, by position rather than by name, play that anytime. 
Mm. Run into a person that says, well, okay, uh, um, I like that, but the key that you're playing it in is too low Mm -hmm. or too high. If we do this by numbers, changing keys is not a problem. Mm -hmm. Does that help? No, that makes sense. So... Um, so you gave C as an example. C one four five is C F G. Going yeah. to the baritone, it's a, a fourth down. That's so correct. How what what's the numbers if you're going to stay in C for a baritone? On on the baritone, you just like just like the ukulele. It's a matter of knowing mm-hmm. the position of the number one chord. So let's say you're playing a tenor mm-hmm. ukulele, and you go to what is called the F position. Mm-hmm. In that F position, look at that F, and I say, okay, a four chord is here, mm-hmm. and a five seven chord is here. Mm-hmm. So if you're switching to the baritone, it's just a matter of figuring out what position is that number one chord. Mm-hmm. Okay. Once that position is there, if the music says, okay, from uh, from from this one chord go to a six seven chord, mm-hmm. uh, or uh, one six two five, mm-hmm. uh, for example. Is a very very common progression, the doo-wop progression that mm-hmm. people really love. And so, if people learn uh, chords uh, and uh, by position instead of names, is no problem changing keys or changing instruments like mm. going to baritone. Mm. Okay, it seems easier. I've seen the charts of, you know, this is F on tenor, this is C on baritone, and it gets like get bogged down with all this information it's like that's correct if you know how to put your hands in one chord you actually have a lot more options open to you that's correct yeah the the first time i got my baritone it was really fun to just try and stay at the fifth fret which is where the tenor starts but then after a while trying to see how the the first four frets connect to it that's correct it's a lot of fun and 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 the thing about that uh, that i like is that if you teach uh, if you teach chords by position, it means that you have to bring in more discipline of hearing and mm-hmm. listening. Uh, because generally, uh, ukulele people have been accustomed uh, to running by eyesight only. Mm-hmm. You look at the piece of paper, and when you get to a certain word, it says change chords, or dutifully change mm-hmm. chords. And if we do that often and often and often, enough mm-hmm. we don't hear progressions mm. yeah i think i think teaching progressions in ukulele hearing progressions is mm-hmm. very easy because mm. people are doing it anyway mm-hmm. a lot of ukulele instruction i think is nothing more than taking something that people are using anyway mm-hmm. bring it up to the conscious level so they mm. can go oh i understand mm. Yeah, that, that reminds me of the the moment. I usually have this moment with my students. I can't I can't remember exactly which grade it is. I want to say three, four, five. Mm-hmm. But when they're on the page, like you said, they're right. looking for the words where the chord <clears throat> is next. And sometimes I can push them enough, and they'll get it where they can just feel where the chord changes. Mm-hmm. And then I can see their face and how they hear the the difference in it. If everybody stays on the same chord and only I change, it's hard for them to get it. That's but right. But once they get it, it's ex- it's really exciting because then right. you just internalize it more and more. That's right. And it's 
in in my estimation, it's it's not very difficult. Sometimes mm-hmm. uh, sometimes uh, people get the impression, wrongly so, mm-hmm. that just because something is different, it's difficult. Mm-hmm. No, it isn't. But a big challenge in ukulele and teaching ukulele is not necessarily getting people away from sight. Mm-hmm. It's a matter of of trying to get them to include listening mm-hmm. in how they learn. Because, mm-hmm. because doing that just reduces incredibly the amount of time that it takes to learn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's great. So, <laughs> Mr. Hussey, another reason why I really wanted to talk to you is um, to talk a bit about the development of the Kiku. So, as I know, and I've, I think I've explained this before to my listeners, the, um, <laughs> the Kiku is also commonly called a Gitalele or a Gitarlele. Practically, it's a short-scale guitar. Um, but I want to know what sets the kiku apart from the ukulele or the guitar or um, even the kitalele. What What's so unique about it? Uh, the term kiku mm-hmm. uh, was coined by a friend of mine. His name is Zanik Lindsay. Uh, and he coined uh, that term at the time that I was, uh, I was getting Jay Lichty and some other of my mm-hmm. uh, luthier friends uh, to build... Uh, to build these instruments. Uh, in my mind and heart, and in Xanax as well, uh, the, well, I should say, um, names like Gitalele, mm-hmm. Gukulele, mm-hmm. <laughs> we thought, hmm, not so good. Mm-hmm. So we decided to coin this new term, Kiku. Mm-hmm. And so we consider the Kiku an ukulele with two added bass strings. Mm. Uh, and uh, and and the and the key uh, with uh, the the kiku is is not as much trying to play that that ukulele that instrument at the expense of something else. Hmm. One of the wonderful wonderful things about ukulele is playing in ensemble. Mm-hmm. I have played, for example, with a cello. You can a cello. Mm. You can harp. Mm-hmm. You can flute. Uh, uke and a saxophone, mm-hmm. um, and uke, um, a four-string uke and a kiku, beautiful sound, as is a tenor with a concert, mm-hmm. or a tenor and a concert with uh, with the baritone. The baritone strings. Um, yeah, mm. with a baritone uke. Okay. Um, as, as ukulele players... We're accustomed to thinking of different sounds mm-hmm. as being related to whether or not you tune your ukulele with a low G string or a high G string. But, you know, there's baritone ukes, five string ukes, six string ukes, eight string ukes, mm-hmm. kiku, uh, and so, so many different sounds. Mm-hmm. One of the things that has... Uh, uh, that has developed in ukulele is groups, ukulele organizations, clubs. Uh, generally, they play um, mostly tenors and concerts, which is fine. Some of mm-hmm. them include like a bass and drums. Um, but informally, uh, among small groups, it's wonderful mm-hmm. uh, to be able to play with, uh, with uh, different instruments. Mm. And so one of the things that the kiku... Uh, can provide that a four-string ukulele cannot is the fullness of sound, mm-hmm. uh, especially especially blend 
um, mm. in a chord. Uh, and the fact that you have two added bass strings helps ukulele a lot because ukulele is more a trebly mm-hmm. instrument uh, than it is a mellow uh, instrument. And so to be able to add some bass and mellowness mm-hmm. to, the, uh, to the brightness uh, of like a like a, uh, a high G tune uke is is just a wonderful wonderful way to go. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I I don't know if I told you this. I got one myself um, from Jay Lichty, and I'm I'm still kind of lost in it. I've had it. I don't know how long I've had it, but it just sounds fantastic, and I think it it fits in exactly what you're talking about. Just that's the blend. The, that's what I like the most about mm-hmm. the kiku is uh, is the harmony. Mm-hmm. harmonies that that instrument produce. Uh, I have friends uh, who are very, very, very good technicians mm-hmm. uh, who can who can make that kiku sound beyond wonderful mm-hmm. uh, and even use it as a, as a solo instrument. So mm-hmm. it has it has huge potential mm-hmm. to make lots of people happy. <laughs> mm. That's great. We need to get more kikus in the world. Amen to that, buddy. <laughs> uh, so. Of all the options we have to play, soprano, concert, tenor, baritone, gitalele, kiku, mm-hmm. um, now what, what What else is there? Liliu, uh, H-string, right. five-string, whatever, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> um, what do you find yourself playing most often? I'll tell you what. First, first of all, the ukulele that I've played most often throughout my life is a tenor. Hmm, okay. Uh, and probably because that's what I've been accustomed to. Mm-hmm. Recently, and recently means, oh, I don't know, in the last three or four years, maybe even five. Mm-hmm. One of the things I love doing um, is to collaborate uh, with luthier friends like Jay Lichty. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, like, I, like to, I like to search out guys that make really, really quality instruments mm-hmm. and have them make instruments for me. And what I do, what I do is I buy and sell. Buy and sell, buy and mm-hmm. sell, buy and sell. Um, because I cannot stand the thought uh, of of playing one person's instrument for a very long time. Because if I do that, that person who made it is getting better. Mm. Um, and what I've been doing recently is I've always I've always been looking for a mellower sound mm-hmm. than tenor. Hmm. Which is the reason why I love baritones. Mm-hmm. One of the things about baritones is, not all, some, mm-hmm. uh, is that chords that you play on a baritone, like um, the first three frets, mm-hmm. sometimes are so mellow that they sound muddy. Mm. Uh, so I worked with, in fact, Jay Leakey was one of the guys I worked with. Uh, and, and what we first did was to extend the scale of a tenor U. Hmm. The reason the reason why we did that was to provide more horizontal spacing mm-hmm. for chords that the player uses around the eighth or ninth fret when you start seriously running out of sound. Mm-hmm. That went real well. Uh, so uh, so there are guys that said, "Okay, we can do this. We can do this, but if if we uh, uh, enlarge the body just a little bit, mm-hmm. it might sound better." Oh, okay. And it did. Well, one of the things about just lengthening scale uh, is that if you if you tune the uke regularly, the strings are very tight, mm-hmm. very very tight. So, in order to alleviate that situation, 
what I tried to do, well, not tried to do, what I did was lower the tuning. Hmm, so okay. those ukes, uh, those ukes that I play are actually tuned in B flat sixth, oh, okay. which is F B flat D and G. Hmm. The sound is incredible. And that's a longer scale, you said. Uh, longer than tenor, and in that uke, in terms of its dimensions mm-hmm. and its sound, is almost exactly between a tenor and a baritone. Hmm. Baritone uke. That and sounds so, really nice. Yeah. Because I because I play solo a lot, mm-hmm. and so I don't have to worry about you know, specific keys. Mm-hmm. I've been playing that ukulele a lot. Mm. Um, but I brought an ukulele today that uh, was uh, was built in that regard. Okay, the scale is longer, mm-hmm. uh, and it was originally tuned in uh, you know in, in B flat. Mm. Love the sound. Mm-hmm. And in speaking to the guy who made it, Eric Divine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he said, hey, you know what? Uh, I wonder if there's a way that we can preserve this sound and, and yet go back to GCEA tuning, mm-hmm. C6 tuning. Uh, and, and this is the first ukulele that we've tried to do that. And in my mind, it was, it was quite successful. Mm-hmm. So the answer to your question is a tenor and what I'll call a hybrid. Which okay. is between a tenor and a baritone. Oh, okay. So what's, <laughs> what is the scale length of that? This ukulele? Mm-hmm. Um, the ones that we've tried, the scale length was uh, uh, a, a bit over 18 inches. Oh, okay. Uh, because generally, uh, generally um, uh, tenor ukes, uh, tenor ukes are 17 inches mm-hmm. in scale. And we've tried, we've tried them as long as uh, 19 inches, but mm-hmm. you know, it, it depends on, on the builder. Yeah. Unfortunately, I, I was able to enter several builders in doing this, mm-hmm. uh, but the sound is incredible. Mm, that's cool. And, yeah. And I was telling you this, this on a baritone, the sound on the, uh, like the first couple frets can mm-hmm. be real muddy, mm-hmm. not so on this hybrid. Mm, that's it's great. Beautiful instrument. So baritones are generally 20, 19 sometimes. Well, 20, 21. 21, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So it's right so, in that Yeah. Spot. So the idea was, okay, let's uh, let's uh, let's make the tenor go this way and make the, the baritone come mm-hmm. this way. And what we have found uh in terms of uh what several people think is the right compromise and mm-hmm. there's there's no one single compromise mm. is is a wonderful wonderful instrument okay awesome so um another reason i really wanted to meet with you is to ask you about that signature pinching playing style that you're known for um what is it and how do you do that <laughs> it's like it's like you're I, pinching the strings but uh, i understand Okay. Uh, I understand. First of all, uh, stylistically, the way I like to play is to combine the melody and the harmony mm-hmm. at the same time. Okay. Um, <clears throat> when people learn to play the ukulele, uh, generally they learn to play just chords. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if you're not used to combining melody and harmony on the ukulele at the same time, it's very difficult, especially if you try and do it uh, right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so my style is to combine melody and harmony at the same time. Mm-hmm. In my mind, there are two ways to do that. Number one, use your thumb only, 
number two, use the, the pincer movement that you describe. Mm-hmm. Um, but the pincer movement that you describe, the, the, the thumb and the forefinger do not meet. Mm. They say hello to each other as they're passing they pass. each other. Yeah. Kind of like a crab claw. Don't they do that too? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And the technique, by the way, is I'm getting melody with an up pluck of the forefinger. Mm-hmm. I'm getting harmony by brushing down with my thumb. Mm-hmm. As I brush down with the thumb, there's no need to aim for anything. Mm-hmm. As long as you're playing the right chord, <laughs> the harmony will be correct. Mm, nice. And so it's melody mm-hmm. and harmony. Mm-hmm. And the way I get melody and harmony together is... Awesome. So that's it's it's nice because it's all the flesh of your fingers. It's not that's like right. a mix. That's right. Um, sometimes people can mix up between nails and the flesh part of your thumb. Um, do you ever use a pick, or is no. it only? Oh, no, okay. I'm 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 totally a skin guy. Oh, okay. I mean, I keep my nails real short. <laughs> mm, okay. Yeah, and then the only time I'll get a sound that's characterized sort of with nails is a downstroke of my forefinger. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. The flick or the point. Yeah one of the first yeah. things I try to teach and uh, I, I don't know sometimes I feel like I do a bad job of demonstrating and explaining because some people they get their finger caught in the strings and like <laughs> um, yeah. no that's not it anyway no but, um, uh, but the direct answer to your, um, your question is to understand to understand the idea before you understand the technique mm-hmm. because if you understand the idea the technique will make more sense mm-hmm. and the idea is melody and harmony together not melody 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 strum 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 melody 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 strum strum no yeah. both together mm-hmm. so for the listener if you really want to see I will link to a, a great video of Kimo playing with this style yeah or um, if, if you want I can play that for you that's, yeah that's, that's pretty easy yeah no that would work um, so do you have a favorite ukulele wood for the top and sides that you like the sound of no no you just try them all and like them all yeah actually the uh with regard to that i i don't think that there's uh there's an ultimate ukulele Mm. and and the reason why i think that and know that Mm -hmm. is that is that for years and i'll say for decades i've been looking for the ultimate Mm-hmm. And every single time I thought I found it. Mm-hmm. I play that you two or three months, four, whatever. And there's something else, uh there's something else that I think about that would be great in the ukulele. Mm-hmm. Well, there's no way one instrument can have everything in it that I that mm-hmm. I like. And so and so that's the reason why I turn instruments rather than continue on with this horrible idea of having to hoard everything that I thought was of value. It didn't take long for me to realize that I wasn't able to afford that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and so I, I, keep a, I keep a fairly close relationship with, uh, uh, with builders that I enjoy and, mm-hmm. and, and also love meeting new builders who are good. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the workshops uh, that I do around the world, uh, whenever possible, I, I uh, invite luthiers like Jay mm-hmm. uh, to come with me uh, so they can talk about their work. Mm. People around the world, ukulele people around the world, don't know a whole lot about quality instruments. Mm-hmm. 
And the reason, the reason for that is that the worldwide market is very, very saturated with these wonderful Chinese ukes that only cost 50 to 100 bucks, and, and they're great ukes. Mm -hmm. But because, because the market is saturated, people think that, you know, that's it. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you pay like two or $300 for a uke, that's uh, not the way to go. Mm -hmm. Well, I would say right now that all of the ukes uh, that I play uh, on the bottom end uh, run around $4,000. Mm. And in my mind, they're worth every single dime. Mm. Why? Uh, because I like to play to the ukulele. Mm -hmm. I like to listen to it, uh, listen to it and say, oh, okay, what is right about this instrument and mm -hmm. play to that? Mm. That makes sense, buddy? No, that makes sense, yeah. I know what you mean. Um, yeah, with any with any hobby, you know, I wouldn't call it a hobby for myself playing ukulele, but anything that could be considered a hobby, I feel like when when prices go above thousand, then that's it's very easy for people to scoff at it and be like, oh, yeah. it's not worth it. But I yeah. found on my journey because I I went from the cheapest ukulele to um, maybe I spent three hundred on my first Pono. Mm -hmm. That's when I realized, oh. It can sound so much better, and then you know, oh, yeah. as you get to a thousand, two thousand plus, it's kind of like you know, it's a lot. But then when you what you get out of it is just it's incredible. Man, if I get good news for you, buddy, it's not <laughs> it's not going to stop at a thousand dollars. Yeah, like you you see the yeah. auctions for um, Chuck Moore's ukuleles that yeah. go up to ten thousand, and right. the first reaction is, <laughs> is it worth it? And then you see it and you play it, and you're like, yeah, it's, it's probably yeah. worth it. Um, <laughs> But you know the objective, the objective in inviting these guys to come with me is not to sell the uke, mm -hmm. uh, because the uke will sell itself. Mm. Uh, the objective of having these guys come uh, is to have people learn and know about quality instruments and what's available mm -hmm. in quality. Because people mm -hmm. understand that quality anything probably costs more money. Mm -hmm. They know that quality cars, shoes, clothes, what? Ever costs more money, mm -hmm. but at the beginning, at at the very beginning, uh, when uh, I, I invite these guys to come do workshops with me, mm -hmm. um, we address price in order to get it out of the way. Mm -hmm. And once once people understand and know that we're not going to try and force them, you know, to to buy this instrument, mm -hmm. then their minds and their hearts open up to what is right in terms of quality, mm -hmm. and they appreciate. Hmm. That's great. Well, I appreciate it. So do I. So, um, Kim Osman, great talking to you. Thank it you so much. It was wonderful for talking to you, Avi. Thank you. Before we close out this episode, I wanted to share a little demo that Kimo played using his signature pinching technique. Although you can't see it, I think it's a nice little bit of knowledge that might help you up your game. Plus, it's nice to hear a Kimo play. Um, I want to do something. Uh, um, that I will uh, evolve uh, into a song, but at the same time, I want to I want to answer one of the questions that you had asked about uh, my style in combining melody and harmony. Okay, okay. I want to play I want to play for you a simulated melody, and it's just a scale. Okay, 
it so simulated nowhere. Now, I'm gonna play that with my thumb only, by, only, and my thumb is plucking down. One string at a time, one note at a time, melody. Now what I'm gonna do to add harmony is ask my thumb just to brush down like that. And that's going to be a simulated harmony. Okay, now to combine those, to combine those, all I have to do is strum down mm -hmm. to the melody. So here's the melody. Here's the harmony. And if I combine those two, I get this. This way. And to get the harmony, my thumb just brushes down. So when I combine those two, I get this. share with your ukulele people. Okay. This. That. All I'm going to do is change the sequence of the scale, change the rhythm a little bit, and use the same harmony. I can get this. And on and on. If I develop that and use this guy, I can get one.
Well, that's going to do it for this episode. I'd love to hear what you think of the show. If you'd like to reach out with any comments, suggestions, or just say hi, you can use the feedback link in the show notes. If you love the show and want to help it keep going, consider becoming a monthly supporter. You'll get early access and bonus episodes. If you can't support monetarily but still want to help the show, leave an iTunes review or just tell a friend. My dream for this podcast is for it to be an invaluable source of inspiration and knowledge. What better way to live aloha than to share what we learn with others? Anyway, thanks again for joining me. I'll talk to you soon. Aloha! Aloha!